Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. Today on Looking Forward, we're going to take a look at trends in an industry that touches almost all of our lives at one point or another during the week. Unless, of course, we don't use our phones, the mass media, or other personal devices like our computers. I'm speaking about the business of voiceovers. To help us better understand such things as what voiceovers are, how they touch our lives, where the voiceover industry is now, where it is likely to be headed, and what opportunities that may suggest for you or someone you know, we've brought on an outstanding guest expert. He's David Cicerelli. David Cicerelli is the CEO and founder of Voices.com. David, with the help of his team, has grown Voices.com from the ground up to become the leader in the voiceover industry. As chief executive officer, David is responsible for setting the vision, executing the growth strategy, creating a vibrant culture, and managing the company on a day-to-day -day basis. David is wholeheartedly dedicated to GrowingVoices.com to become a world-class organization and leading the industry in the digital age. Hi, David. Welcome to Looking Forward. Hey, great to be here, Jeff. I'm looking forward to uh, this podcast and uh, really all that uh, our industry has to share. So I think we're up for a great conversation. Yes, I am really excited about this particular conversation. This is my 40th, by the way. I'm excited maybe more than a lot of them because I'm invested in what you're going to talk about. I mean, in right. more ways than one, I'm invested in this. So thank you, David. David, before we go any further, I know there may be some listeners out there, maybe quite a few, who don't know what voiceovers are. But as I explained in my intro, it affects us at least once a week unless we completely unplug from everything. So can you please explain briefly what do we mean by voiceovers, David? Well, a, a voiceover is the voice that you hear, but you don't see the narrator. You don't see the character on screen. It's just the, if you will, disembodied voice. And it's been around since, you know, 1933, I believe, was when, you know, and around that time period when Walt Disney lent his voice to some of the first animated characters. Um, Steamboat Willie, who, yeah. Jeff, as you know, evolved into Mickey Mouse. Yes. And so that was like really the origin as voice in entertainment. But Mickey Mouse was a was drawn, you know, hand drawn, but they needed to bring that character to life where had, you know, witty things that it said and jokes and so forth. So fast forward, then of course, then became commercials on radio, the golden age of radio in, in the 30s and 40s. Um, and nowadays there's all kinds of applications where you hear the voice, but you don't see the person. And that's really what a voiceover is. Thank you. And I will just add to that, that I can't tell you how many times I've told people that I do voiceovers, that I'm really into that sort of thing. And they look at me rather quizzically. And then I say, well, have you ever been to a movie theater and you hear that trailer voice promoting things before? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a voiceover. Right. So thank you for clarifying that for people. David, I'm really curious because I don't know. What got you interested in the voiceover industry? Were you yourself a voiceover talent or was it something that was completely unrelated to anything you had ever done in voiceovers? Uh, it's definitely related. I mean, I think all of our life stories go back to, you know, the exposure maybe we had uh, as a youngster. You know, for me, it was uh, mom and dad had this old record player and I would listen to records and they even had a collection of you know, um, what are now considered like audiobooks or narrations and kind of stories on record. We also had a number of them on uh, books on tape. So I really loved listening uh, to stories. So uh, when it came to uh, exploring kind of the post-secondary, you know, after high school, what am I going to do? I ended up finding this audio engineering school wow. uh, called the Ontario Institute of Audio Recording Technology. It's very well regarded here in London, Ontario, Canada. 
And uh, I remember on the first day, the owner of the school, he held up two things. He was standing in front of this big uh, 128 channel mixing console. You know, I joked that it looked like the bridge of the Starship Enterprise. And, <laughs> and he held up two things, one in each hand. He had a microphone and a tennis ball. <laughs> and he says, if you don't know the difference between these two, don't worry, we're going to teach you everything. And it was just this collective sigh of relief <laughs> that for the next you know year or so, we learned all there is to know about audio recording and the technology right from editing on analog reel to reel where there's the magnetic tape and you'd splice it with the razor. I remember it. All the way through to digital audio technology, um, like what we're using today, uh, it, where talent are working from their home recording studios. So I got into the voice industry because I actually opened up a small recording studio after graduating. Okay. And uh, I wanted to be the engineer. I recorded you know, mus musical groups, garage bands, hip hop artists, uh, other musicians, and I actually got my name in the local newspaper on my birthday of all days. <laughs> and uh, that's actually how I met Stephanie. Stephanie's of course now my wife and she's yes. the co-founder of voices.com. And Stephanie at the time, she's uh, training as a, a music major in the local university. And she actually needs to get a, her singing repertoire recorded. So her mom read the newspaper article, caught it out, left it for her on her bed with a little sticky note that says, hey, you should go check this guy out. So that's, uh, her mom was the matchmaker and uh, Stephanie came down to the studio and we ended up hitting it off. But here's how it ties into voiceovers because we also had, because that same newspaper article, a couple of local businesses, uh, event management company, a hair salon, they wanted to do voiceovers uh, for commercials and for uh, radio commercials, a phone system recording. They wanted a female voice. Well, I was a pretty shy guy. I only knew one girl in the city who I just met the other day, which was Stephanie. And I said, <laughs> do you think you can come back down to the studio? I'll be the engineer and you be the voice talent, the female voice talent and uh, we'll split the money 50-50. We'll get into business together. So that's how it all began. And that was kind of our first uh, entry. Uh, of course, since then, you know, we dated, got married and have uh, four lovely uh, children. And uh, we've really thrown ourselves into growing this, uh, this online platform and, and what it's become today. Dave, that is a great story. Can you just tell me, roughly speaking, how many years ago was that when you first encountered stephanie and did that voiceover when, when was yeah it? that was a, that was about 15 years ago and i and i feel you know old just saying that but at the same time you realize that too often and i speak with a lot of entrepreneurs too often people you know they say in silicon valley pivot right change your idea from one yes. thing to another another yes. you know, there's always the bright shiny object syndrome where you're chasing something and you don't spend long enough pursuing the one idea, really understanding the market, understanding the problem space, what are the challenges people have, and how might you go to solve those in a very holistic and meaningful and, and way that's long, that creates a long-term and sustainable business. So, I, you know, I, we've just gone deep uh, into all things voice in this space. And uh, I still, I, and I think our whole team does, really gets up every day excited for uh for the day to come and and uh, all that it provides i think that's great and i just want to add a few quick things again one is you talked about something that's so important and quite frankly has been very difficult for me in my career and probably in my life in general focus focus is so important the other thing is just to relate to your experience very quickly my first exposure to voiceovers per se was in my bedroom growing up. I had a bottle of a hair tonic that I'm not even sure still exists called Vitalis. And I used to hold this bottle of Vitalis and just announce. And I also had a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder. I got it around 1958, way back when, and had lots of fun recording records with it and splicing and all the stuff you were talking about. So it brought back a lot of memories. Now, you alluded to your company, Voices.com, and I would like our listeners to learn a little bit more about when you launched the business and how it's evolved since it began. Well, maybe picking up the story right where I left off there, Jeff, which was Stephanie and I started working together. Um, we put up this rather you know, primitive or crude website. It was a brochure-style website that featured 
uh, myself as an engineer and one voice talent, that was Stephanie. Um, we actually went to the local public library um, and taught ourselves how to, you know, and, and took out literally web design for dummies. We taught ourselves how to code a web page. So we had a, a handful of pages that, you know, describe our products and services. We listed um, Stephanie on there, which meant that it actually attracted other freelance talent who would visit the website and say, I see you have one, you know, lovely female voice on there. Do you need a male voice? Do you need somebody who speaks French or Spanish? Do you need somebody who does character voices for animated productions? And we always just said, yeah, sure. We'll list your name on here to the point where it got to be about 20, 25 people mm. that were all listed. So all of these talent were listed on this platform. And then concurrently, there would be clients that would also discover the website and they would say, how do I get in touch with this person? I see the name Johnny George. I can click on the link. I can hear a sample of their voice, but how do I actually go and hire them? And that was what I referred to as the proverbial aha moment, right? We uh -huh. have these moments where it all kind of gels and you go, right, we should step out of the production business, the modest recording equipment that we have, sell it and reinvest it into this you know, new idea um, that's still kind of on the same trajectory, but why don't we enable the work to happen on the website? So we hired a web developer who basically built out full profiles for the talent. They could list and feature their work um, and including a headshot and a service description and what's in their studio, the kind of questions and information that a prospective client or creative producer might want to know. And then uh, likewise, we would have this job posting form where clients could make these requests and say, oh, I want to hire a, a male voice, you know, in North America with a Midwestern accent, and here's the script. And so we would, in effect, provide this matchmaking service, you know, yes. connect the buyer and seller, if you will. Yes. And that is, you know, really the same idea from the beginning how it's evolved, maybe there's, you know, a couple, I mean, it went from just the two of us to a team of 120 employees. Now wow. um, we do business in 160 countries around the world. Wow. Um, so it's really, and have really grown quite a bit, but the most exciting part has really been, I'd say in the last, you know, three to four years where, um, you know, up until that it's, it's slow growth, it's growing, it's happening. But, you know, once the numbers start to get big, even growing by 50% a year at that point is like, you know, big step changes. So um, that's how the business has evolved. You know, my, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Stephanie's background is in music, mine in kind of an audio engineering. We learned a lot of the business skills along the way, just by talking to people, seeking out advice um, being willing to share our plans or ideas or hopes for what's next and getting that feedback, learning from people who've done it before and trying our best to apply that uh, into the company. But that, those are some of the, um, you know, kind of ways that it's, that it's evolved. But I would say, truthfully, more is the same than different other than the size and scope of the business. It's a great story of how the company started and how it has grown and it's a good example of on-the-job training. You were not a Harvard Business School graduate, not that London, Ontario, and the School of Engineer Audio Engineering was a bad place, but you really have learned largely just through the course of the years and trying things and learning new things and things don't work, you got to shift and make changes, pivot, all these things you talked about. By the way, it sounds like matchmaking is an important word in your life. You had your mother-in-law matchmaking you with Stephanie, and then you ended up matchmaking clients with voice actors. A lot of matchmaking going on here, Dave. Yeah, and actually one, one other, when Stephanie was at the University of Western Ontario, she was what they would call the gigs commissioner. And the gigs commissioner would field inbound inquiries from other faculties, maybe members in the, the local community who wanted to hire a string quartet for an event or maybe uh, looking for musicians for a wedding. And so she was also um, doing this, uh, as you say, this kind of matchmaking type service even back then. So we tried to draw on a lot of these life experiences and weave them in, into a business that we felt would ultimately be very scalable, given the fact that voice has a long history. We kind of talked on some of those highlights and we just you know, sensed that 
Video gets a lot of attention, but it's the voice that kind of breathes these words to life that really tells that story, that narrative could be a brand message. It could be an important public service announcement. It could just be educational content, you know, to, uh, to train employees or customers uh, or even the public. So the words are tremendously powerful. And when they're done by an actor or a narrator, it just, you know, people lean in and listen and they really can absorb the information in, in new ways. Absolutely. Now, looking forward, as you know, David tends to focus on the future. It's also called looking forward because of its upbeat slant. But right now, we first want to have you look back a little bit. Could you please share with us your perspectives on when, why, and how the voiceover business has evolved over the past couple of decades or so? Not just with Voices.com. Of course, you've been on that train ride, but in a bigger sense. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few drivers. Um, you know, at, at, again, at the earliest uh, moments, I think was the founding of the Screen Actors Guild, uh, which is the union, the the actors union in the United States, as well as the uh, their complement for the the small screen, uh, known as uh, the uh, AFTRA, which is the union for the American Federation of Radio and Television Artists. And uh, they set a precedent in terms of how business was to be done that really lasted um, from their founding until uh, the really uh, late 90s. Um, there is, I would say, a convergence uh, that ultimately those unions have since merged together. But there is a convergence that occurred where the internet was so disruptive, late 90s, early 2000s, um, and new forms of media were being created that the union rules and pricing and rate guidelines just really, frankly, didn't contemplate. And the production cycles moved quite quickly. The turning point that a lot of people look to is actually a strike in, uh, in the year 2000. And I think there was another one um, subsequent uh, to that where a lot of people started, like production needed to still get done. So advertising agencies still needed to run ads and they looked for other creative producers and other creative uh, freelance talent. And, uh, you know, hence kind of this whole non-union world uh, began to emerge. And that is, I think, one of the big changes that the industry used to be kind of 90 plus percent unionized. And now it's almost the inverse. I would say it's 90 percent non-union. And I like to use the term freelance or freelance professional, right? So people who no longer, so that's one big change. You also no longer need to live in a major market like New York, Chicago, or LA. You know, you can, you can uh, create your own website. You can join a platform. There's a number of them out there in addition to voices um, like Upwork, like voice one, two, three is another one, Fiverr even there's, you can market yourself and ways that you can get these job opportunities that don't require you to travel in person to do uh, auditions in kind of a group audition setting. So I think that's a, another big change, but underlying that is actually the technological change. Again, we, we kind of joked about these big studios with the reel to reel um, you know, audio recording and all that editing that would need to happen. I mean, a lot of expertise to do that. And back then, the talent were, uh, with all respect, just the talent. You know, they, they also didn't have to wear multiple hats. So that has shifted was, as talent, you know, moved to non-union and uh, freelance, as well as moved from big studios to home studios. So now in a home studio with, call it the cost of a, you know, a decent uh, a computer, a soundproofed room, which is honestly probably the, uh, most overlooked aspect of setting up a home studio is having a soundproofed room and a great microphone, some recording software, probably a few thousand dollars and you're, you're, you're in business. Very different than going, you know, traveling and going into these big studios. Voice is one track. It's one person talking directly into a microphone and um, creating characters and reading scripts and interpreting them, how they believe that that message can be said in the most impactful way. It does not need 12 piece orchestra, all kinds of multi-track, you know, multiple rooms, all this equipment. It's actually a pretty lean setup for most, uh, most talent. 
So those are, I think, would be the big transitions. Let's call it almost like a political transition from union to non-union. There's like a geographic transition from city to anywhere. And also a technological transition, big studios to small home-based studios. That's a great summary. And just to add to what you're saying, David, I know for myself, my first career, I'll call it, had a lot of communications in it. I dreamed kind of of doing voiceovers, but there were two big barriers and you talked about them both. The one barrier was you had to be near one of the big cities. Now I was near Philadelphia, but to break into that was nearly impossible. And then the second one was this online capability, you know, that you could actually do it from your home. Well, no, you couldn't. You had to go there. You had to mail in something for them to hear. And what chance did I ever have? So I think I took one course at a night school just to keep my desire fulfilled. And then I just had to back off because it wasn't practical. But boy, those changes you alluded to, for me, not as much the union, and I never got into that, but these other two changes, absolutely. One of the great things that you do and Voices.com does, and we'll get more into this a little later too, David, is you track trends. You have your hand on the pulse of the market. So in that context, I'd like to ask you, where would you say we are now in terms of the use of voiceovers? For example, has the number of voiceover platforms, and you alluded to a few of those that are like yours in some way, increased? Uh, How about the number of people who are involved in voiceovers as talent? Is the competition becoming more fierce, not only in terms of those who are trying to find voiceover talent, because there's agencies and so forth, but also the voiceover talents themselves looking for work. So I'm throwing a lot at you from what you guys track at Voices.com. How do you see things? Yeah, let's unpack that, Jeff. I mean, talking first about the, the number of platforms. Um, I would categorize these as like voice specific platforms and then generalist freelance platforms. Um, voice specific where someone could sign up or kind of get a name uh, listing in a directory. At one count, we, we tallied up over 200 platforms. Now, I think there's a very steep curve of, as to there could be a lot out there, but do they have any jobs? Do they have clients going there and hiring? Because Um, It's relatively trivial to put up a directory style website, but really where rubber meets the road is can that website or platform, if you will, gain clients who are looking to hire. And this is the classic chicken and egg situation with uh, all two-sided marketplaces. And that's what, you know, we operate in these big freelance, it's a two-sided marketplace. And the chicken and the egg, for those who might be unfamiliar with it is, you know, you need the clients, but the clients won't come unless there's enough talent, but the talent won't really join unless there's clients that are posting jobs. Yes. So which side do you start with? Mm. Fortunately, with Voices, uh, we actually, you know, because it was Stephanie and I as co-founders, she had always focused on, you know, recruiting, attracting, communicating with the talent. And I was historically kind of the client guy. I would pick up the phone, call advertising agencies, corporate marketing departments, made over 10,000 phone calls in the first five years. Wow. Um, basically working through phone books and lists whenever I could find them and invite them to, uh, to the website. So that's how we solved this, this chicken and egg um, situation. But as I said, 200 kind of voice specific, probably as many, if not arguably more of these general freelance sites. There's People per hour, guru.com, Upwork. I'd mentioned Fiverr before. So um, they have a category for voice. There's some work there. Um, but uh, I would say the difference would be that, particularly if I may, voices.com is purpose built for creative services, specifically for voiceover, where the entire experience is around listening, right? And showcasing audio samples. You know, you're not showcasing a graphic piece or kind of your resume and text. It's more around the audio is, uh, is how it's different. And as such, I think talent have also realized, you know, maybe it's because of animated productions or these behind the scenes that Disney does. Um, you know, there's a number of these kind of competitions, you know, the voice, I know it's a singing one, but even still it gets people aware that there's a career path and job opportunities 
So they're absolutely, um, you know, I would, I would probably say, you know, millions of people interested, um, you know, there's about, uh, over 500,000 talent registered on voices. So that would imply that the competition is very stiff. Oh yeah. However, most talent, um, for better or worse, don't take that next step to, uh, upload a demo, which, a demo, uh, for those who might be unaware, is kind of like a, a highlight reel, your 30 to 60 second highlight reel of just the best bits of maybe five or six commercials, kind of all edited tightly together. So you need a, a demo for commercials, one for narration, maybe one for characters if you do a lot of character work. But people, if you're not taking that first step to produce a demo, which is in effect your portfolio, that's your showcase of what you're what your uh, capabilities are, then, you know, I think the competition, you know, I use that term, you know, in air quotes drops dramatically because there's kind of the aspirational hobbyists, if you will. And then the pros like semi-pro and, and pro people who have invested the, the time and energy to raise their skill and craft as well as the uh, techno technology and building out a studio that sounds good and have, you know, decent equipment. So I think that's immediately where like the, the notion of competition really kind of meets this uh, fork in the road. So to offset that, there's also uh, a lot more clients, um, people who are hiring and looking for voice because there's so many different applications. When you say voiceover to most folks, Jeff, they probably think, oh, right, I, I, I get it. You know, you mentioned the movie trailer, radio and TV commercials. And then it's like, but then you don't realize there's phone system recordings that have been around. Yeah, not the most glamorous work, but every business has a voicemail or an on-hold message. Then you get into, you know, we talked about training, corporate training. These businesses pay very well and they're having, you know, either it's compliance training, so they need to produce it and have employees go through corporate training for compliance reasons. Think of like big banks or pharmaceutical companies or medical uh, training as well, health and safety, that type of thing. And then, you know, going beyond that, you know, podcasts, you know, or other kinds of internet content or internet ads. So you start to kind of look at this and at the top of voices.com, there's a navigation bar. We can see all the different genres or categories of voice work. There's 12 in total that we've kind of come up with, um, which are, you know, growing at uh, various rates. Um, a bit of, you know, inside scoop is the number one category that we looked at most number of jobs posted last year. It's a bit of a general one, but we call it internet videos. Internet. And if you think about it, you know, one of the trends that has been where if a business is trying to educate and inform their audience, they've gone from producing these like five and 10 minute long form, almost like mini documentaries to creating very short bite-sized content. Um, it might be 10, 20 clips and pieces like this that are ideal for social media or short ads as a pre-roll on YouTube. Um, but a lot of social media campaigns where you know, the content might be as short, believe it or not, as six seconds and probably capping out at, you know, five minutes or less, more likely around the one minute, kind of these explainer videos. Um, but that whole category grew by 200%. It was 199 to be specific wow. um, last year. Um, because I think businesses were looking for new ways to in, in, connect and engage their audiences who, uh, who are all remote and, uh, and, and, and at home as well, too. So those are some of the trends that we've seen. Um, I think it continues to be a very healthy industry that's just un, uh, undergone a lot of change over the last couple of years, especially over the last year. Yes, which we will get into. Great overview. And it's an interesting picture that you present. I'm oversimplifying. On the one hand, one could be concerned if they are a voice talent or a budding voice talent that, oh, there's a million people out there. They're all vying for these jobs. But A, you pointed out that not all these million people are really serious. A lot of them aren't serious. So don't worry about that. And then the other side of the equation is, but there are more companies who are now hiring people to do voiceovers in various genres. And there's even growth within the genres. 
And you articulated one, of course, the internet videos, but there's plenty of opportunity. And that's certainly been a trend over the last several years that the opportunities are growing. And I have to come back real quickly and say, I commend you because you have mentioned a few things that are so vitally important for the success of any business. One is it's hard work. I heard you talking about all those phone calls you had to make, right? Right. Two is it's all about having a vision. You had a vision, you and Stephanie, right? All of a sudden you got that aha moment, you had a vision. And the third one is maybe the most important, persistence. Persistence. Mm -hmm. You alluded to that earlier. As you may also know, David, and you alluded to this too earlier, but I want you to say just a little bit more about it here. The voiceover industry is not just focused on Canada, North America, United States, and looking forward is not just focused on Canada or the United States. We do have people who listen to us all over the world. Can you speak to us briefly about to what extent what you've spoken about in terms of trends and what's been happening in the voiceover industry and how it's evolved applies beyond North America? Well, voice, voice is certainly a global phenomenon and a global industry. Uh, when we were uh, exploring raising uh, venture capital and you know, private equity, um, looking for partners, investors in our company, one of the exercises we needed to do was create what's called a total addressable market. In effect, an analysis of how big is this industry? Because uh, that was the first question that every investor asked. How big is the opportunity that we can partner with you and, and uh, pursue? Um, and, you know, the punchline uh, is that we, we pegged the number at a $4 billion global market spent on voice, um, including not just English, but translation, uh, not just in North America, uh, but countries all around the world. So there was a, um, you know, we pu certainly published, if people wanted to, you know, Google that, they could, they could get the report uh, from our, our website that really goes deeper into that. But, you know, let's call it a, a, a multi-billion dollar global market. And um, the key drivers are, yes, uh, it really transcends all industries. It's not just in automotive. It's not, you know, where maybe there's voices in kind of in-car navigation systems. It's not just talking toys, which is the enter, you know, or other aspects of the entertainment. It's, you know, it's travel, it's, you know, healthcare. It's really phenomenal. It's advertising. It just transcends all these industries. Um, and then you go into the applications, you know, some that we didn't uh, talk about, which are certainly uh, growing are these, you know, voice apps for smart speakers, um, kiosks, you know, kind of these self-service checkouts that I see in a lot of grocery stores that all have voices on them. Amazing. Um, people really almost nowadays being more sensitive to touching buttons and almost a willingness to speak their commands, be it in, um, in the privacy of their home through a smart speaker, in the privacy of their car, but now almost kind of interacting with voice at a kiosk, be it a kind of some type of self-service checkout. So that's interesting. This almost leans into this like touchless uh, in environment, uh, this voice first touchless environment. So you look at those and then of course this multilingual, which we're you know, covering this global phenomenon that you know, if there's an advertising business or a broadcast industry, there's going to be voiceover, right? So think, and, and, and if there isn't a big, you know, uh, maybe it is, uh, if, there, if there isn't a big broadcast, um, kind of traditional broadcasters, there's still businesses that need to advertise that want to get their message out there in a different way. Podcasting has been a great, um, kind of almost like a grassroots, easy to do, relatively speaking. You completely control the content. You can distribute it. You can develop your own audience and the content lives on forever, right? Versus an ad that plays for a period of time and then, and then it's done. So there's um, some really interesting global trends. And I, and I did touch on at least for us, you know, proof point is that we do um, serve clients who've hired talent in 160 countries around the world, um, all kinds of languages, accents, and dialects also represented. Um, still English by far the most, uh, most popular, but you know, from time to time, we get these requests for languages that candidly, I've never even heard of, but, <laughs> you know, there's actually, there's documented um, 6,000 languages in the world. Most of the world's population kind of speaks the top 20. 
Yeah. Um, but there are, uh, you know, you know, indigenous people groups, you know, borderline lost languages that people are looking to document as well too. So absolutely. It's a, it's a global phenomenon. Yes. And 160 countries, that's very impressive in terms of the clients and the projects you've been involved with at voices.com. You're reinforcing what my thinking was, and that is that the demand for voiceovers is not just North American, it's all over the place and the growth is taking place most everywhere. Now let's bring us up to the last year specifically. If you could speak a little bit, David, to what impact COVID-19 has had on your industry, on the voiceover industry. I've talked to a lot of guests, experts like you, where the impact wasn't so good. I'm not so sure that your story is going to be as disheartening as theirs. Tell us a little bit about that, please. Well, I, I, I want to open with recognizing, acknowledging that, as you said, it's, it's been challenging um, on businesses, really on an industry by industry basis. And also, I'd say on many of us, even if your business are, uh, is thriving or your career is thriving, your um, mental fortitude might be challenged, right? Just yes. being at home, not having quite the mobility or maybe even, you know, luxuries or freedoms uh, that, that we may have experienced. But from a, a pure business perspective, um, you know, at the onset, uh, we absolutely were preparing for the worst, uh, just as I think everyone has, uh, you know, uh, in kind of March of 2020. Um, but what we saw immediately was that those uh, big brands and as a byproduct, their advertising agencies that are creating campaigns for them immediately need, they already made the, what's called a media buy. They bought the airtime on radio and TV. They had these big campaigns. They've already made the commitment. They immediately needed to uh, rewrite their ads because the messaging was wrong for the times. And so whether it was a, a product launch that needed to get deferred, all of the messaging, and I'm sure you remember this and, and all the listeners do, all the messaging sounded almost identical, which was, we're in this together. Yes. We're here for you. We're here to support you. It's very much an, an empathetic approach to messaging. There was no real call to action. It was just an acknowledgement. And that's how everyone at that period of time for probably about four to six weeks, just rewrote ads and felt compelled to express that we were, as they say, in this together. So that was the first thing. So we saw this huge surge of activity, including what we call winbacks, maybe clients that hadn't done much business with us for a while that suddenly realized, oh my goodness, I need to rewrite my ad campaign and launch it. And I can't go to another recording studio. Maybe historically, I like to go in and you know, schmooze with other people in person and chat and it's a whole day long production. I don't have that luxury anymore. So I need to figure out how to get this work done remotely. So they would do what most of us were doing. I'm trying to find the online alternative or online equivalent to what I used to do in person. But yeah. now I need to look to be able to do that online. And so, you know, remote recording studio, hire a freelance voice talent from anywhere, that kind of, you know, search query. We were seeing all this traffic come in and that's why they were, uh, they were hiring talent at the same time. For better or worse, um, again, I recognize a lot of people either temporarily or permanently lost their jobs. You know, it was kind of this, this uh, almost this, you know, gut immediate kind of reaction that many businesses just, you know, went to kind of layoff mode. That meant that there was a surge of interest for people looking to find ways that they could make money from home, that they could, you know, what kind of freelance or like, how do I participate in the gig economy? So we had a surge, likewise, of talent looking mm -hmm. to get into the into the business. Not all of them were interested. Maybe they were, uh, you know, in terms of wanting to see it all the way through. They were just evaluating options. But um, that is kind of what happened at the onset. Since then, and again, different states have opened up at different paces, um, and and likewise different countries. And we were slightly concerned that that was just going to be a temporary phenomenon. Fortunately, um, we've done our best to show those clients that Voices.com really is 
the faster, better, easier way to hire a professional talent. And they're, they're not going back. They're sticking around and continuing to uh, reward us and by extension, the talent with ongoing business. So it has been, um, it have a very positive effect uh, on voices uh, and, and I would say the overall business. And really those clients have discovered, you know, discovered us for the first time or rediscovered us in that moment of need. And we were uh, grateful that we were being able to be part of, part of a solution for them. Thank you for elaborating on that. The ability to do business out of your home became so critical. And in your business, where people were used to, many were still used to going into a studio and agencies were working with studios. All of a sudden, it's like the studio has to be at somebody's house. It's got to be remote. So I can see where that would be a boon. That's right. Now you started to get into this with what you were just saying, David, and it's kind of the, the hub of the show. And that is the idea that looking forward is about looking forward, right? And you and Voices.com, I'm sure there are others, but I know that you guys have been studying the trends and you're looking at what might be coming down the pike. And I'll say just over the next few years, it's hard to say where we're going to go after So much has happened that we weren't even prepared for. Maybe we should have been. So if you had to make a prediction, what trends do you see occurring in the voiceover industry over the next few years, whether they would be affecting the clients who hire or voice talent who are aspiring to either get into the business or to thrive in the business? Well, I'd say if there's one trend um, that I'm certainly excited about uh, is is the rise of these voice assistants. Um, and I think sometimes we just think, you know, oh, right, there's there's Siri, there's Alexa, there's Google Assistant. Um, but really, what's been happening is that, um, you know, big brands are recognizing that those voices, they're actually like Alexa's Amazon's voice. And Siri is Apple's voice, but what's our sonic brand? What's if, if our brand could speak and have a, a literal voice, what would it sound like? And what we're seeing is a lot of these organizations creating their own branded voice and tone um, so that they can almost have like a voice application that someone that's going to interact, be it on the phone, in a smart speaker, in a, in a car uh, as well too. And so um, how these are being created is, uh, is, is pretty interesting. You literally are either hiring, you're finding that one voice and uh, Amazon has a technology called, um, basically it's the same speech engine, if you will, that powers Alexa, but you can skin it so it's a different voice instead of Alexa. You basically hire a talent to read somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, hundreds to thousands of hours of content, and they will create a branded synthetic voice. So if you're Kentucky Fried Chicken, you want to have the voice of Colonel Sanders, then that's going to be the voice you you want that. Of course, Alexa would not make sense in that situation. Right. So these brands are creating these branded synthetic voices. So I think that's an opportunity. You know, I'm, I would say I'm, there's kind of two sides to this, these, this area around these synthetic voices. Is it a threat or is it an opportunity? I think there's an opportunity for talent to participate. If you can land one of these, they're very sizable deals. You can set them up where they're on a contractual basis, like an, an, an annuity where it's 50 or 100 grand per year for licensing your voice to be used in this branded um, synthetic voice application. So there's ways to make this financially viable. The threat, of course, is, well, if most of the work just gets done by these robot voices and people don't care, then, you know, maybe that's a, that's a detriment to to my career. The counter argument to that, and maybe the, the parallel is really did animated characters displace live action actors. You know, there's kind of a time and a place for animation and there's a time and a place for seeing a, a person you know, be it an actor on camera. I think similarly with voice, there might be a time and a place for this 
kind of synthetic voice where the content's changing all of the time. Think of like train stations or airlines with the gate changes. It needs to change so frequently that there isn't time to have somebody rush into a studio, record it, upload it back to the system. So there is a time and a place for very short bite-sized information that changes frequently. But for almost all other applications, really people want to hear from people. They want to buy from people that sound like them. They want to listen to people that sound like them that they can relate to. And that's the reason why I think there's a, a long uh, future for uh, professional voice talent. Okay. One quick follow-up. There seems to be this question as to whether or not there's going to be a greater demand for people who do voiceovers to also be able to do the video production in addition to the audio. What do you think about that? Are we going to continue to be mostly about the voice and the voice actor doing audio production work? Or is it going to be you're going to have to know how to do video production? I mean, as I mentioned, internet videos was the number one category. To me, these feel like pretty different skill sets, uh, video and audio. I mean, the medium uh, media is quite different. I can see clients maybe requesting that as perhaps a, a belief or dare I say misbelief that somehow it's more cost effective and kind of asking one, one pro to do it all. I mean, the same could be true for uh, asking a talent to, oh, I need you to write the script as well as voice it. Or sometimes we see someone who's going to record it, you know, in English, I've got the script, I need it recorded in English, but I also notice you, you um, speak Spanish. Can you translate it and record into Spanish? These in kind of like, you know, from a, from a business mindset, these are all upsell opportunities. <laughs> you know, if you're yeah. a talent and you're looking at new ways to expand your capabilities and add extra uh, new service and skills to your, your, uh, your offering. I think that's a good thing. I would just encourage talent to make sure you're pricing that appropriately, that you're including that, you know, when you're quoting on work, that you're not just something that you used to do for 500 bucks. It's like now you're being asked twice or three times the amount of work because you're also doing video, that that's not just the same old price of $500, you know, for, for a short video. I, so I, I would just make sure you're taking that into account. Creative services of, of all kinds, I just, there's tremendous demand for it, both from a, as I say, a marketing uh, perspective, but also from just a, a general communications perspective and all of it's digital. And we've clearly proven over the last year that it can be done remotely through professionals as they work from home. Okay, let me ask you one last thing before we tell people how to get a hold of you and voices.com. You just touched on this really quite a bit actually. Looking forward is also about opportunities where they exist. If you're a student in college, if you're somebody who lost a job, you alluded to that. If you're somebody who's not happy with what you're doing, maybe you want to dip your toe in the water with something else. Where would you see opportunities for those kinds of individuals in the voiceover industry, be it on the talent side, production? Where, where might you see opportunities looking forward, David? I would, I would, I would first do some um, introspection. What is it that you, as an individual, enjoy doing, that are good at, and maybe where you've made some money before, right? There's these kind of like Venn diagrams that people have probably seen before. Of like, you know, you don't want to just pursue, um, a, you know, a career or job opportunity because you think it looks appealing or you might make. But do you enjoy doing it? Is there's this passion or drive? Because that's going to get you through. As we touched on, this persistence get you through these you know, overcome adversity, right? That, that it's inevitable to happen. Yes. So I would first look there within the, within the voice space. I would um, it's very crowded in like the commercials, radio and TV, because most people want to go there. So I'd maybe look at some, maybe other uh, sometimes perhaps overlooked independent, like these indie video games or audiobooks or doing ads for podcasts or creating podcasts is like, I'll be the interviewer and I will interview people for your show. It might be a branded show. That's an opportunity. Um, so there's, uh, there's those type of things, perhaps doing even some searches into Google trends and seeing what, what are people searching for um, that might highlight uh, a trend uh, that you can get involved in. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to learning, I mean, YouTube is arguably the number one learning platform that's out there, right? Yes. So there's, Tons of videos, um, long webinars. I mean, it's certainly 
one of the first places I go to to uh, to learn a new, a very specific skill and hear an opinion from people who've who've been kind of leading the way, maybe at this a few years, they could accelerate your learning. Um, so I, I, maybe one piece um, to uh, hopefully get uh, the listeners excited about is, you know, historically voices.com has been a voice only platform. And we're recognizing that many talent are actually multi-skilled and can do more than one thing. So we really want to um, enable that as, um, you know, reinventing ourselves as this creative services platform, inviting in those audio producers, musicians, translators, if you will. So voice wow. will still be the heart of that production, but there's these pre-production services, writing, copy, maybe translating it, and then the post-production services, editing, mixing and music and so forth. So we can uh, look forward look forward to that, Jeff, in terms of uh, expanded um, capabilities that new clients, we, we believe it'll bring in new clients to the platform as well. And that's going to be launching in, in the next uh, couple months. Wow, that sounds really exciting, David. And we always have to grow, don't we? You always have to try to grow. Can't stagnate. Listen, right. it has been wonderful having you on. I love your story. I don't know what you're like in the rest of your life, but I find you to be extremely humble for a guy who has built up a very successful business. Let me just oh, say thank that. You. How can our listeners find out more about you, David Cicerelli, about Voices.com and anything else that they want to find out about the voiceover industry? Sure. Um, well, let's go with uh, let's go with uh, me first, if I may. Um, I think LinkedIn is a great uh, way to be able to stay in touch and see the updates from one another. So um, I, I, you know, just mentioning that we connected here on the podcast. Um, they heard the episode. It's uh, you know, we'll we'll definitely uh, add you right back um, in I terms can. of a connection. So it's just David Cicerelli. You can uh, find me on there. Same on uh, on Twitter as well too, but not as active there. But so LinkedIn's a go to, and then for the company. Um, I would just suggest uh, going to voices.com. If you scroll to the bottom, there'll be a, a whole section around, around the company, but that's where a lot of these gems are, these trend reports, these industry analysis, they're all in that company section within kind of press and media. So you can find a lot of research that we've done that will highlight opportunities, hopefully for your career uh, as, as you're looking forward yourself. All righty, David, thank you so much again for your time, for your valuable insights. It's been great having you on, and I hope sometime in the future we can bring you back to get an update. You know it. Love to do so. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F dot com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.